This podcast is part of the GWC Network. For more information on it or to check out some of our other awesome podcasts, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. After the tone, enjoy the show. This is Save Eureka, podcast number 21, Phoenix Rising. Welcome back, everybody. Yeah. Indeed. Our first our, our first podcast of the year. It is, isn't it? Is yeah. it? Wow. Yes, it is. We distributed a GWC podcast uh, after the first, but we had recorded it before. Oh, okay. Yeah. I see. Yeah. So, I can yeah. feel some difference. It's like it's just slightly different than last year, but I can't really put my finger on it. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. <laughs> so considering what Shut you up, charge Terry. everyone for, uh, you know, <laughs> students and other people for uh, uh, for these podcasts, what what's different in, uh, in this one? This year one? we put a 12 in the box. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. I saw where that was coming Yay, from. Yay, Tron Legacy Clothes. <laughs> Oh, man, and a new season of uh, Eureka in the rewatch as well. Yeah. Jeez. Episode one of season two. And if you notice, the music is a little bit different. This is the first episode that Bear McCreary oh, yeah. started doing. And you can actually tell. I, you can just tell listening. Yeah. I mean, in the middle of the episode, pretty early on. We were like, oh, yeah, yeah I get the it. Music, oh, yeah. It was dramatic and it had a lot more kind of that. It changed instead of being like song one, song two, <laughs> song three. <laughs> You know, actually, I had a question in terms of the music, Audrey, and specifically the theme song. Yeah. Did they pitch it up a semitone for this season? <laughs> That'd be funny. Boy, like, you it know sounds what? a little bit higher in the in the theme. Maybe I, it's just the copy that I have. I didn't notice that. But, you know, I now that you mention it, I noticed that the voices seemed pitched up, pitched up a little bit. So maybe... Maybe it's just the copy. Yeah. Are we the watching... So, well, sometimes I think it's the same DVD set. Yeah, it might be, because I, I thought that everyone's voice sounded just slightly higher, but I thought it was just me, and I, I just kind of shook it up. I, I, I start picking that stuff apart. I'm like, you know, it, it doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound like when I listened to it on TV. <laughs> yeah. But I noticed pretty early on in this episode, I had forgotten that Bear McCreary started at this point, and uh, there was some dramatic scene, and the music was just, ah, it was like richer and kind of fuller and you have those drums that are kind of bear mccreary's signature those kind of <laughs> tribal sounding you know i think we identify them with kind of caprica drums from bsg <laughs> but you know the kind of sort of that you know yep. with lots of reverb on them and powerful sounding ritualistic <laughs> animalistic <laughs> It was overall better. <laughs> Just oh, you, better. You are not kidding. It was so nice. I mean, you could tell right off, but boy, in in this episode is one that certainly benefits a lot from it. It's a very serious episode. Yeah, I'm this is you know, in my opinion, this is like the darkest episode. I was gonna ask, it's like remember that whole thing we were talking about about how Eureka yeah. being all friendly at the car? <laughs> I know. Are we just delusional? Like when's that coming? Because the body count just keeps rising here. It was pretty grim this episode. I mean, how many like charred remains did we have to look at? I felt bad for Henry too when Jack's like, Can you fast forward the thing again and zoom in on Kim's charred corpse and what was it that killed her again? Tell me again, Henry. All right, now flip it around and Hey, look, I drew a smiley face on her, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a warp core breach. <laughs> it's a fake. 
like to watch your significant other die again. And again. And again. Well, we already again. know he had watched it like a billion times. I mean, yeah, it's not. He must have just been able to get over it. And then, you know, Carter needs to see it. Well, this is certainly well, Carter was the one that told him to get over it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> get over it. Now that you've gotten over it, play it again. <laughs> Stop screaming. You can't hear me. You know, this is is the beginning of of sort of the dark evil, you know, sort of Henry as well. Yeah, I I call him I Henry. Oh, Chuck, I came across something the other day um, that was like the great works of Isocrates. I was like, <laughs> no way, because <laughs> one the the backstory on this is. Oh, gosh, probably 10 years ago now, um, I took a, as an undergraduate in college, I took a grad level um, a class in, I think it was called classical rhetoric, but I was oh, auditing yeah. it as an undergrad. And anyway, uh, we were talking about like Aristotle and a lot of the ancient Greek, you know, and, and stuff like that. And uh, we were reading some of the dialogues of Socrates. And there's uh, one of the dialogues where Socrates is explaining something and then he starts talking about this guy who may have had a relationship with another guy and he calls him is Socrates, which is like Socrates with an eye on the beginning of it. Like if Apple had a Socrates product like that, <laughs> I yeah, yeah, like I well it was is Socrates, but I always called him I Socrates cause I thought it was funnier, funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Socrates is telling this story about like, I Socrates and how he hooked up with this other guy and how the romance blah 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 you know and the whole time now I was you know I was like 21 so this is you know it was a very immature time you know and I've, I've totally yeah, grown up way since more then now. yeah I've no. really I've really <laughs> changed I don't laugh at that kind of stuff anymore <laughs> <laughs> so I was in the class and everyone's like oh yeah Socrates yeah. and I'm like hey, it's totally you dude we know it's you just say it you know so I used to joke with Chuck that um, like if I did something I didn't want to admit to I'd be like it was I Audra you know and same thing with me Chuck yeah. would do something he'd be like oh it wasn't me it was I Chuck you know <laughs> is, it, is this that evil Audra that like donates to different charities <laughs> right that's it. You know, the, the evil Audra that can't apparently be evil. <laughs> yeah, sort of like that. <laughs> I have to listen to GWC a while back to get that one. <laughs> this e. is like, did you leave dishes in the sink? No. No, that was I, Audra. <laughs> 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 yeah. And this is I, Henry. Except, yeah, this mm. one's, this one's like truly bit, kinda, bad, yeah. though. He scares me when he's like, and I will never forget and smashes oh, the hammer. Yeah. I was like, I meant, I meant to say, you know, this is again, one of those situations where we see the payoff for having an experienced actor like him mm. in, yeah. in the show, because that could come off as sort of over the top, but it doesn't with him. Right. He it could be totally like Henry smash, it. but it wasn't. No, yeah, it, it wasn't was like a Dr. Evil moment. Yeah. Was. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's it was just, like, it was so, freaking chilling. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the whole time, actually, the whole episode, because you see him and he's sort of like, you know, you can tell that he's he's scheming and that he's not quite over things, but you don't want to feel bad about him either. So, And you can kind of see where he's coming from as well. And when Carter suggests that he might have been responsible for the deaths, it's really not that far-fetched. I mean... Right. Yeah. It, it's interesting to watch the, both their arcs. I mean, also with, with, with Carter going from being 
psyched that he's able to, you know, predict the future. He's like, haha, look at the chili. To, you know, just being like, <laughs> how, how am I supposed to go on every day yeah. knowing that the life that I had is slowly being destroyed? God, all those times where he kind of says something and slips, you know, like when he calls Allison Allie or when they're at Beverly's and he says, oh, we really appreciate it. Like he's kind of treating Kevin you know, like his family. <laughs> right, right. Takes, nice. takes a community or takes a village. Is what he said. Yeah, it takes a village. <laughs> all of us. Right? <laughs> Allison's looking at him like, what the hell are you talking yeah. about? But it's really sad. I mean, we know what Henry's given up, but, but Jack has given up a lot and he's Jack's taking like, it a lot the bright better side and i'm like what bright side is there for <laughs> yeah exactly exactly what bright side is there for henry there is not one yeah you know that was pretty cold actually the bright side of this episode was jack in the shower i thought <laughs> <laughs> i like that he realized that the video's on he's like oh yeah yeah he's totally fine i he's was like yeah whatever well i assumed it was like chest up or something you know because nope. because hers was I'm pretty sure not well obviously it wasn't but i mean like where's the camera you know like he sees her on the screen just like shoulders and remember head. an irobot remember vicky's like uh, <laughs> surveillance tricks yeah <laughs> yeah yeah no that, that yeah the shower grout that's the uh, the surveillance yeah. <laughs> house is full of them yep I was just remembering this episode of The Simpsons where um, Bart is trying on stuff in the department store yeah. fitting room and he gets really embarrassed because Marge keeps coming in and like making him walk out in the clothes yeah. and stuff. And, and there's this, uh, <laughs> there are these two guys sitting in a, a room like with security cameras and God, I, someone who knows The Simpsons better can correct this. But, but anyway, they're like, like, quick, that little girl, she didn't come in with those socks or whatever. And you see that every single fitting room has a camera in it. And there's like this six-year-old girl like putting on shoes over the, the, stock, oh. the socks. And they like send a SWAT team in. Oh, my God. Jeez. <laughs> oh, it's like wrong on 10 different levels. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Classic Simpsons. Indeed. I think Carter might actually get more buff as the series goes on. I hadn't noticed, but okay. He definitely loses some weight toward the end. Later on? Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, uh, Colin Ferguson tweeted back in, I want to say it was like April or May, like right before the summer this past year in 2011, he tweeted that he was a little worried that he had gone to get a physical or whatever, and he had gotten down to like 150 pounds. And he was normally like 165, I think he said. Or maybe it was, he was down to 165 and normally 15, whatever. Anyway, he was pretty low weight. And he said that he had just kind of not meant to lose weight, but kind of lost track of things. And, and people were telling him he was looking a little bit gaunt, you know. And the doctor told him he should be at a little bit healthier weight. I was trying to think, how do you do that? Like by accident? How it's do you easy. just. Well, I guess. I mean. It's not easy for me. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe what, he lost a lot of muscle or something, and that was what the problem well, was. Well, no. I mean, it's like um, you know, when I was on when I was on uh, oh losing weight, uh, I was losing about you know a pound a week or so, which is not a lot, right? That's a reasonable. Yeah, it's rate, pretty uh, close. But if you think about it, I mean, it only takes five hundred calories a day to do that. So if you got busy and didn't eat a lot, you know, just just 
ate some smaller over meals. Over a long period of time, over, yeah. Over two months, he could go, you know, you know what I'm saying? Two or three months, he could pretty easily drop 10 pounds, which the difference between 165 and 150 on a guy his size is noticeable. Yeah. But right. it's actually not that hard. And that's assuming... Like I said, only a 500 calorie a day. If there, if it was more like a thousand on some days, it wouldn't be unreasonable. If you got busy, if you were doing things, it, it, yeah. it wouldn't be that hard. Well, I was worried when he tweeted that because I thought that maybe he had been sick or something. But I, I don't think that's the case because I, I tried to pay attention to the stream after that and see if anyone said anything. And when we saw him at Comic-Con, he looked like he was healthy and he, he looked like he well, might have put some bad. of it back on. You know? Again, it's kind of funny. 150 for a guy that's six foot is actually not. Is he six feet tall? I thought he was. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. Now I just got to know. Actually, believe it or not, is not that far out. It's not common these days, but it's not unhealthy. It's just not. You know what I'm saying? You could certainly carry a lot more than that. I mean, a guy could be uh, could be a lot bigger than that and seem okay too. But it's the bottom end of the of the range. But it's not. You know, it's not like starving children in. You know. Sally Struthers isn't going to show up <laughs> as a guest on the show or anything, you know. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, most that, most of the websites are saying five eleven. Oh, that's pretty close. It was a guess. Although that's, that's within, yeah, that's within range. Oh wait a minute! One website says six two. One says six one. Huh, see, ah, there you go. So right. Stupid internet. Do the average. damn damn differing opinions. <laughs> We just need to see him standing next to a okay. ruler. Celeb, <laughs> celebheights.com says he's five foot 11. There is a site called celebheights.com. Okay, I got to ask you a quick question, Juan. A little bit off topic, but we were watching Corner Gas, and that's what Chuck was quoting. The episode where they put the uh, the measuring tape you know, on the side of the door. So the- <laughs> and Juan is too short for it. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't she even reach the, the bottom of it. Yeah, Because yeah. yeah. she doesn't want anyone to know her actual height. But my question is, why were all these people in Saskatchewan using uh, feet and inches? I thought, don't, I mean. use that for height. They address that. Well, they, they mention it. I mean, they say, oh, we should be using metric or something. But no, no, they didn't address no. why they don't use metric. Well, it, it, well, technically, yes. I suppose the country has adopted a metric standard, but. There's enough legacy around that people have... I mean, I have no idea how many centimeters tall I am. I know I'm 6'3". That's like, what, 185 centimeters or something? Sure, that Beats. sounds good. Yeah, we're... <laughs> <laughs> That's a good guesstimation. No, sure. I have no idea. Somebody That's go register is. right now. AudricConvertsToMetric.com <laughs> <laughs> Crap. Audra just pulls these metric numbers well, out of our ass and I, puts them on the right, side. Fine, fine. Turn it into a popular YouTube channel. Hell yeah, it'd be great. Be Screw sweet. you. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Six. Sorry, you need to talk because this is boring to listen to. Six foot three in CM. Oh. You should just, yeah. <laughs> you know, actually, um, as a side note to the reference you made to Tron at the start of the episode uh-huh, here. Uh-huh. Um, I'm pretty sure that that street that you see right at the end where Beverly goes to talk to Skeev Senator. That, Skeev uh, Senator. Oh, I hate that guy. I'm pretty sure that that's either the same or very near the street that they filmed the parachuting scene from Tron Legacy in. Oh, really? Yeah, it looks close enough that it's 
it's it's definitely Vancouver. But whether wow. or not was uh, it okay? I was wondering what city that was. I'm like, this is I think supposed it's to the be the same street. Because I think that little kind of green, um, kind of planted area is where the Coast Capitol building was that you see very quickly in the Tron movie. I'm not sure because I'm not in Vancouver enough to know, but I definitely know that that's uh, at least close. That's awesome because I know that Eureka is supposed to be in Oregon, and I was like, that doesn't. You know that doesn't look like Portland. It doesn't look like any any city that I've seen in Oregon. Oh, filmed in uh, filmed in Vancouver, right? Right, so. right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like we need a city shot. It's like okay, Vancouver. Lean, out, lean out the window, grab a camera. <laughs> fair, uh, fair guess. It's in Vancouver in any movie, but especially anything on sci-fi. If you, yeah, exactly. It's like it's is it on sci-fi? Is it? Not the primary cast. Okay, it's Canadian. Yes. And it's probably Vancouver. Okay, six foot three is a hundred and ninety centimeters. I said one eighty five. Five, isn't it? What? I don't know. You know, everybody can Google for I was themselves. really close, okay? That's the point. Hundred and ninety point five. Yes, you were. You were ha. very close. Yeah, but you were wrong. The best kind of wrong. (laughs) Well, I didn't. I didn't realize that um, there were some instances in you know among like different parts of Canada where people did not use metric. I mean, I know. uh, Well, yeah, because the U.S. is completely and like across the board defiant in its refusal to use the rest of the world. No, we're just lazy. Why use standard units that make any sense? We want to know how many leaps in a furlong. <laughs> exactly. The one I can never get is stone. You know, uh, oh, the, I, the I put on two stone. Yeah, I can't. I, I feel haven't. bad for you if you put on two stone. <laughs> that would be a bit. Audra put on another Audra. <laughs> two stone is not my full it's body It's only weight. 28 pounds. Two stone is? Yes. Huh. He can Google too. Those are big stones. <laughs> yes, I can. Those are some big stones. How do you like them pebbles? <laughs> if you were right. Krogan, you would have put on four stone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this one thing that made this episode really strong is the fact that it uses Carter to his full potential. Like, Carter is supposed to be, like, not good at some things and yeah. very good at others. And and it's sort of like a puzzle piece fitting in with, you know, the this all the smart people in Eureka, uh, making figure quotes, you know, that that have entirely different limitations. Like they'll overlook some very obvious thing, looking for details, and he'll see the obvious thing. Like he figured out with Nathan Stark, they could like like a circuit breaker, you know, use electroshocks. So well, he didn't. Milk. Yeah. <laughs> I love that Fargo was so like emotionally defensive of him. It's like electroshock therapy. Fargo's no. like, no. <laughs> I like the Han Solo moment too. You know, at the end when yeah. he's like, I'm sorry. He's like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, zap this guy. I know. I know. Henry's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, but, it was a little bit McMurtry there. But the uh, but the other thing that uh, you have to tell the story now. The the, the well, from uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Oh right, yeah. Sorry, Sorry, Mick Murphy. Oh okay. Not McMurtry. Got it. Yeah, not the Western author. My bad. Well, I uh, I Mick Murphy, the, the character author. from One Flew Over. Yeah, yeah. Got it. No, but there was zero for two. <laughs> <Whoa>. Moving on. 
The other thing, though, was was that Carter has this tendency to like, you know, he pays very close attention in terms of like, like he wanted to do the uh, the the standard criminal investigation to see what turned up in terms of like who how what connects all these people you know and so on and while they're all looking for some scientific explanation he's like let's look at why this could have happened you know and and it works you know and he finds a connection and that lets him predict the next one and save Stark you know but at the same time he's not very good at like concealing his knowledge of the of the of the alternate right, future right. he just stumbles and spits them out all the time you know henry is good enough to keep it under wraps and plot see i know? think that's a little disturbing it is you know that someone could be so good at that i mean that he hides it so well it makes you wonder like what you know does he hide other things when it's to his advantage right right I think he certainly does. I I worried about that too. I mean, I I've mentioned that at this point in in the series, I definitely sort of I don't know started feeling badly about about Henry and had a hard time coming back around to trust him after after this and what comes afterward. But just the whole it's so duplicitous and it's so yeah. even though I understand why he's doing it and I don't think it makes him evil. And of course, I, at the same time, I think that the sign of a really good show is one that uh, is able to um, is able to create a villain or a a uh, a bad guy or a person that is a source of of stress and and issue, right? That is yeah, conflict of conflict, right? Source mm-hmm. of conflict that is. That you you can also relate to, you know. That's not just bad, but rather but it's not big e evil. Well, or even even if even if it is, you kind of, yeah. It's best if it's not. You're right, but even if it is, you kind of get where he's coming from. Like in the case of Henry, I can see why he's doing what he's doing, and I can't entirely say that I might not do the same. You know, I would be wrong, and I would be a dick, but I might do it. You know? In the, the vein of um, Aristotle that I mentioned before, it's interesting if you read what he wrote about um, about tragedies right. and what makes them uh, valuable and how they work and what makes the audience care about tragic characters. And uh, looking back at the plays like the Oedipus plays and, um, you know, we all remember that from like high school English, you know, talking about the tragic flaw and stuff like that. But it's kind of neat. There's a theory to it that there's actually like there are formulas that work. And one of the things that that Aristotle wrote was that uh, the tragic hero, the ideal tragic hero should have bad things happen to him that are not entirely of his own doing. You know, like he might do some bad things, but it can't be entirely from him entirely his oh, own yeah, fault because the audience needs right. to have some empathy right so the, and the, the whole tragedy comes from the fact that it wasn't completely under his control and it allows the audience to sympathize and then he talks about the emotional you know the pathos and the emotion of the audience and then the kind of cathartic moment where uh, the audience goes through that emotional kind of cleansing um, and what's interesting this Henry moment reminds me of Odo in Deep Space Nine, oh, where there's yeah. this character right. who commits this really significant betrayal after years of developing as a as a trusted. You're talking about Odo. Odo, yeah. yeah. Um, you know who had established himself as a you know person who stood for justice and things like that, 
and uh it was pretty difficult i mean i never trusted odo again no. and, and maybe that's because it was so late in the arc that it happened you know i don't think so for me anyway i i, I don't know maybe for you but for me i never trusted him again because what he did he didn't have a solid reason for doing he just didn't care and 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 he was so lax that he just literally it it was clear after that that those people were only important to him under certain circumstances and with a slight change in circumstances they weren't important at all and that's i i don't think that's forgivable it's not it's not the situation like with henry henry is doing some bad things because or things i think are bad because he really wants his his significant other back which yeah. i get I and might I, do that too. I come to forgive Henry. I don't. It, I don't it's hang true. on to it the same way that I did with Odo. Yeah, I did. I think that's the difference, though. Is just what you said that I. It's not. It's not his doing. I get it. You know, I I can empathize with him. I can't with Odo. I think Odo was just right. kind of a. It, it to me, it just showed that Odo was a little bit of a douchebag all along, and it just came out when the situation. Got a goo difficult. bag. A goo bag. No. A goo bag. That's good. Wow. What do you think, Juan? Because um, not to put you on the spot on this, but... Yeah, don't put him on the spot well, on Deep Space Nine. He doesn't... No, no, I like mean... That. I don't have anything to say about Deep Space Nine. I don't know, I don't know much Nine. about that show. Well, not Deep Space Nine, but, you know, you've said in the past that Henry's your favorite character, and you've had a lot to say about why that is. I totally can see that, by the way. Yeah, well, I, I think, I mean, this is obviously the low point for his character. Um, I think the fact that, I mean, we've we've gone forward and seen him develop back into kind of a relatively well-balanced character uh, just shows the amount of strength that he does have. Um, right now, the problem he has is that he, it's all very fresh for him. Like, he he's not willing to let go and... I think it comes from the fact that, you know, he saw the chance that he was going to take to, you know, save the the woman he loves, and he never got to make that chance. I mean, that or never got to take that chance. He said that to Carter. He's like, you know, I understand, you know, the, un- the universe would end, and this is a bad thing, and yeah. it couldn't happen, but every time I look at you, I hate you for stopping me. And it's and it's not be, it's not because he tried and failed, it's because he never was allowed the chance to try. And I think that's what's eating him up right now. He feels like he could have done something, and another person stopped him. Not like fate or something out of his control, but, right? Like but if, that he if, he, if he had gone back in time, tried to prevent her death, and then couldn't, then I think it would have been better for him. What are you thinking that maybe he, maybe he now this this Henry that we're watching maybe he thinks that if Carter had come back and given him some information or or come back earlier and helped him figure it out in a way that maybe he could have done something different like he could have somehow gotten through without the universe coming apart. Well, not so much that, and I, I think it's just that because I could see that. Well, yeah, and I mean, that's obviously the reason why he has to zap Carter. Right. Because Carter, like, Henry knows the idea of not... <laughs> you flashed um, it to um, me, Henry? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Couple. Okay, every kid, yeah, um, but the, um, like, Henry can manage it in terms of making sure that he's not messing with the timeline in any significant way. But Carter can't. Like, he, he's just 
on day one, he can't deal with it. When day one of having to really figure something out and he goes on the job and he can't help but have it interfere with both his process as with the job he's doing, with his personal life and, you know, his whole thing about, oh, you know, we could, you know, make a whole bunch of money or, you know, pull the whole uh, sports almanac thing, right? <laughs> you know, he, That's he, he, he's he can't feel with it. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. <laughs> so, so putting, resetting Carter back to not knowing what happens is kind of a way of preserving that timeline as well, too, because if Carter starts messing up things a little too badly, you can wind up with that same problem, where if the timeline, <laughs> the mechanics of this appear to be that if the timeline gets too far off course, it starts crapping all over itself, right? You know what's weird, though? I can't get past the, the moral part of this. I mean, even though I, I do come to forgive Henry about this, we don't ever deal with this. I mean, not to give spoilers, but this doesn't really come back for a while. Well, for uh, everyone, this is a non-issue because the only two people that knew what was going on was Carter and Henry. And right. Carter's now back to square one. He doesn't know the difference. And I, I hope to see some kind of uh, return to this storyline because it's always kind of eaten at me in the back of my mind. But the thing is, okay, so I kind of get over it as the show progresses. But when you look at what he's done, I mean, it's it's practically unforgivable i mean first of all tampering with a timeline is one of the most arrogant things that a person can possibly do i mean that's it's playing god essentially and you know the fact that you're saying doc brown's a dick (laughs) i saw this cracked article about six uh, primary characters in movies that totally didn't get the moral of their movie I saw Doc that. Brown yeah. was at the oh, top yeah. of the list. Like, you know, number one is like Poster Doc Brown. Time. It's like the moral of the story is don't f with time. And what does he do at the end? He flies a big old, tr- you know, floating steam powered time vehicle into the past. Yeah. It's like, um, hey, uh, Doc. Wait a minute. <laughs> Little point here. Maybe you're kind of going against what you just learned over three movies. Maybe, you know. No, maybe. what he learned was that he can get away with it if he does it carefully enough. No, the, the moral of the story is if you invented time machine, you're going to get laid. <laughs> I thought the moral of the story was screw And he gets a Biff. race car. <laughs> <laughs> was screw Biff, yeah. But I mean, but Henry has done something that is like among one of the most evil things that, I, I mean, really just messing with the timeline. I, and then, you know, Car- I... Well, sorry, sorry to cut you off here, but you know what? I think I can't remember if they go into dealing with this at all more because no. we've ended the episode with Henry still remembering everything. And I think that comes back and it'll be interesting to see. <laughs> well, I, mean, sad thing, I don't remember enough of the season to yeah. know if that really plays out. I think it does. Well, I think that it comes back in like little glim- like glimpses of Henry's experience. But, um, but I was just thinking, I mean, to put, to have Carter go through this experience of having this relationship with Allison, getting married and having kids. I mean, this is, this is really, really important stuff. And Henry sees himself at the center of the universe here, you know, and to have, I mean, I am horribly sad for what happened to him, but, you know, he's taken a lot of things away from a lot of other people, too. And right. I, I think I think when he zaps Carter at the end, at the at the very best, it could be described as saving him from himself. 
of having to deal with uh, losing that four years. Maybe so, but you know what? He took away those good memories, too. Oh, I know. I know. That's that's what Carter said at the end there, too. Can you imagine that conversation later, you know, like a couple years later, when it's like, oh, yeah, Carter, by the way, uh, we lived out uh, four or five years where you got married and... Uh, oh, had, by the way, had you had kid. a kid that you never know about. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, I, I erased that. Oh, my God. My bad. You know, this never occurred to me, but the things that he says and kind of slips before Henry zaps him, what if that stuff comes back? Like, what if Allison at some point in the future is like, hey, you called me Allie, and he doesn't remember doing it? Well, I don't know. (laughs) It'll be a long payoff if that's the case. (laughs) The last episode, the one that they chose to film finally to wrap everything up. We all based on that one time that uh, the way, called him Allie. <laughs> why did you call me Allie back at the end of season one? Time, space, time, universe explodes. <laughs> it's the singularity. The end. Everyone dies. Happy Eureka. God, everyone. you know I could totally see a Eureka ending that was like uh, that was like uh, uh, mostly harmless. You know, the Douglas Adams. Yeah. Book. Can yeah. you fill us in? That's a pretty big spoiler. Should I should I say that? Ah, screw it. If you, it's been out for like you know ten, years fifteen years or, or something. <laughs> no, uh, mostly harmless is the last book in the trilogy. There, the joke being, of course, that there are like five or five books in the trilogy. Um, but uh, yeah, in mostly harmless, uh, Douglas Adams wraps up the Hitchhiker's Guide universe by essentially removing it from existence. Like at the end of the book literally things go awry and all the things that they had tried to avoid happen and the universe folds in on itself and disappears. That'd be great if wow. the only thing left in the universe was uh, Fargo and Will Wheaton's character. <laughs> Floating He's in like, space well, as God. What are we going to do now? <laughs> Let's make a new universe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Let's make a new, what you call it? Universe. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, we are going to have to wrap up. It's like, this is getting good. We're going to have to book more time to do this. I agree. Because these are just such great discussions. But uh, we got a couple minutes to wrap up. Audrey, you got anything here? Um, I am just, I'm, I'm really enjoying this arc. And uh, I know, Wanya, it's funny that you mentioned that we talked about it getting lighter. And it does get lighter. I mean, this is this is a pretty serious That's arc. Fun. But um, but I'm, I'm glad to be here because uh, I had forgotten a lot of this detail and watching this now is helping me understand a lot more about these characters. And when I think ahead to what I know happens, uh, especially with Henry and his life later on, it's like it, it adds a lot of depth. Juan? Yeah, I, I, it, it's so fun to go over these episodes because I remember watching them, but I just don't remember a lot of the fine points, uh, like Audra was saying there. That being said, I'm hoping that we're hitting a good balance between talking about the... Uh, you know, the stuff that we already know up to the current season and for those who are watching along with us for the first time. So, uh, yeah, hopefully, uh, you know, if you have any opinions on that, let us know. <laughs> That'd be Indeed. great. By the way, if you go back to the uh, picnic scene or whatever, where Vince is about to dish out uh, another helping of chili to the guy who blows up uh, right before that, we see Beverly out on the street and it looks like she's drinking shots. Like she, <laughs> she does. She sure. like, takes a shot of something. Well, she's sitting beside the most boringest balloons ever. <laughs> she's like, this is dismal. I need some something to drink here. We have gray and we have dark gray. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you back next week. 
From everyone here at Save Eureka and GWC, thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch Eureka or other fun shows with some of the friendliest people in geekdom, visit us at galacticwatercooler.com. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have something to add to the show, give us a call at 214-296-9229. That's 214-296-9229. And follow the instructions there to leave us a message for inclusion in a future podcast. Financial support from listeners like you keep all GWC podcasts on the net each week. To find out how to donate, visit galacticwatercooler.com slash donate.